Welcome back to Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm joined for another episode by Brian Kaufman. We have a great show for you today as we continue our football preview series with the SEC. But first, a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. If you like the show, we'd love if you leave us a five-star review. So let's get into it. Brian, got a question for you to start it off and answer this carefully. We're going to the Southeast tonight. So Zaxby's, Chick-fil-A, or Raising Cane's, which chicken place do you got? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Really coming out swinging tonight. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Raising Cane's. I love Raising Cane's very, very, very much. Their chicken's very good. I love the cane sauce. But I think what puts it over the top for me is their coleslaw that comes with their meals. I really, really like their coleslaw. I love a coleslaw that's like... um, like smaller pieces, if you know what I mean, like the diced with the mayo base. It's like it's easy to eat. It doesn't get messy. It's it's a win win. So listen, I don't think you can go wrong with any of these options. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with raising canes. Who you got? Can I admit something to you? It's just us, right? Uh, it's nope. just, us. just us. No nope. one will yell at you if you're saying that you've never had it before. I've never been to raising canes. <laughs> never. Man. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we're going to have to pick back up on our SEC football trips so that you can uh, you can try it out. Cause it's the very- thing is, man, I lived in Atlanta for seven years, and there's not one that close to Atlanta. That's the a- closest one's in, or, to my knowledge, the closest one is in Athens. Okay. So right. I don't know. Atlanta's just not really raising canes. So who you got, Zaxby's? So Z- Zaxby's is my, is my number one for sure. I love Zaxby's, but I, I hear they're pretty similar, Canes and Canes and Zaxby's. They are, yeah. I would say they're similar. They're, they're I mean, listen, like I say, you can't go wrong with any of these. Um, For me, it's the Zaxby's. Like honorable, honorable mention. Yeah, that's funny because I cited Cane sauce too. Like it's it's any it's the chicken becomes a vehicle for whatever sauce you decide you want to dip it in. So I like the Zaxby's sauce, and then for me, I love the. Uh, what is it called? The Coke Freestyle Machine. So at oh, Zaxby's, cool. they have like crushed ice in the in the machine, but they have Cherry Fanta, and I don't think you can get Cherry Fanta anywhere but um, a Coke Freestyle Machine. So go to Zaxby's, get whatever it is, like the five-piece. I will say Zaxby's menu, really confusing. Like the first <laughs> couple times I went there, I wasn't even sure I was ordering it right because they have like, they have a lot. I feel like they don't really have like, your standard like value meals yeah, 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 that you might get like they, they do, but they're, they're displayed in a very confusing way. But so I don't know. I get the same thing every time. I just know I need five, five tenders, fries, Texas toast and a drink. I think that's some sort of combo now. Sure, Not really yeah. sure. But anyway, get the tenders. I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go. You go ahead. I have a bone to pick. My bone to pick with Zaxby's is this. I really hate <laughs> I only lightly dabble in marketing. This is now a marketing podcast. Uh, <laughs> I really hate like they they put a Z in front of everything, right? It's like oh, zappetizers, salads. I I don't know why I've always hated that, but I I do. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah that's I, my bone to pick. That's that's fair. I mean, it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I don't know. I don't know why. Okay, now really an aside, have you heard of the show Buckhead Shore? It's like a Jersey Shore spinoff. I have not. Okay, so Buckhead Shore. It's about these like 
I don't know, eight people who live in Atlanta, like super wealthy. I, they're spo- they call it Buckhead Shore because I think they're, most of them are supposed to live in Buckhead, which is super nice, wealthy area of Atlanta. But they're all at like this lake house somewhere in Georgia. And the main character, Parker, his stepdad, is the Zaxby's founder. And he wears this Zaxby's chicken like chain. It's like a, a oh, wow. chain with the Zaxby's logo on it. Uh, yeah, I mean that's you got to do that if your dad is literally Mister Zaxby. I think you have to. <laughs> you have to. But the first episode, he's like whipping up uh, like some sauce, and he's like, "Oh, it's in my blood." Oh, that's hilarious! That's <laughs> Something hilarious. like that. I like but, thinking that he's like, "I can't give you the recipe, but I will have Zax sauce around the house at all times." You can absolutely. Believe that. <laughs> so. Look, Zach, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of them. Like you said, I need to get myself to Raising Cane's. And I, I was doing a little look on the Raising Cane's search. And, we, you know, I put in my old zip code in Atlanta, and it, it does say the closest one is Athens. So I don't know. I, I don't know why maybe Chick-fil-A Zaxby is just too strong of a too strong of a chokehold in Atlanta for, for there to be a Raising Cane's. But I do need to get myself to one. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have to revisit this conversation when you do. We sure will. Sure will. All right. So let's get to some football. Before we get into uh, our SEC preview, though, got a little news. The coaches poll dropped. So I want to start there tonight. Um, To nobody's surprise, Alabama number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia number three. And then to round out the top five, Clemson number four, Notre Dame number five. Anything stand out to you about this initial drop, Brian? Um, honestly, the thing that, that stood out to me was that Texas received a first place vote. Uh, and I think they came in down there at, at 18. I know some of the reporters down there in Austin were like trying to do some digging on which coach cast that vote. I don't know if, if we got to the bottom of it. I know, um, UTSA's coach said it wasn't him. They thought it might've been him to like gas up their opponent, but, um, just kind of funny. I, I don't think anybody realistically thinks Texas is the number one team in the country. Who would be the funniest coach to do it? Oh man, I, I like I. I just sort of think it's Lane Kiffin. Like Lane Kiffin was just like, this would be funny. Like he's just like, this is a throwaway. Oh man, the funniest coach to do it. Uh, I think it would be smart if Brent Venables did it. I know that did jump out. Yeah, that would be really funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I like thinking it's someone who just like is like a college football fan and like doesn't compete against anybody in the sec or anything like that it's just like this would be funny uh to do so i don't know but uh, well, let's be honest anyway right it's like a, a typically what like a support staff guy yeah is the yeah, one yeah. actually doing it's not like nick saban sitting down at his <laughs> at his desk and being like all right we're number one Ohio State <laughs> number two like and- right 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 uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think this is largely aligned with how we've been thinking and talking and feeling. I mean, Clemson getting some some benefit of the doubt there. I, I, I think people consider them a top five team, but obviously they certainly weren't that last year. And But the name brand is still strong and the talent is still there. So, I mean, that's a team that obviously will have to, them and Notre Dame, kind of like earn their stay there. I know you talked when we <clears throat> went into our Big Ten um I think you mentioned, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. The, those are the three. It makes sense right there to start the year. Um, and, and the rest of it, I think, will just sort of sort itself out a bit. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, I think the same thing for me. It's like it shows how top-heavy the sport is right now, not that we didn't know that already, and how jumbled the rest of it is. I, I think you could easily make a case anybody four through 
I mean, four through, I don't know, like 15 or so, you can kind of toss them in any order and it might end up right. But I, I thought Notre Dame's getting a lot of respect at number five. I mean, that's seems like it's just expected to be a seamless transition from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman. And nobody seems upset from a Notre Dame perspective about that. Everybody's just like, yep, this was great. See ya. We're good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And and they'll have to uh, work in a new starting quarterback too, which is always so funny because uh, <laughs> that's, that's a huge thing. You have a new coach, new QB. I feel like in all these previews, that's something where we, all, at least myself, uh, immediately I'm sort of like, Okay. Yeah. That's uh, an asterisk or a question mark as far as preview, right? If you're, there's all this change going on, they're getting a lot of respect. Yeah. I mean, I guess it will be a matter of time until we find out because they start the season with Ohio state. That's right. So we're going to learn, we're going to learn quick how ready they are. All right. Well, let's get into the SEC, Brian, do a little recap of 2021 and the offseason last time on the SEC. So the biggest thing to happen in the SEC last year was yet again, we had an all SEC national championship game for the second time in five seasons. We had an Alabama versus Georgia matchup. And for the first time since 1980, the dogs brought home a national championship, something that I think a lot of Georgia fans thought they would never see, despite all the momentum they had, finally got it done. Um, a couple high-profile SEC schools also made coaching changes. So after four seasons in Gainesville, Dan Mullen out at Florida for essentially failing to beat Georgia enough, both on the recruiting trail and on the field, and perhaps maybe being a little bit of a difficult guy in general. Like, I don't think he did himself any favors with kind of the way he, the comments he made in the media and the his general disposition. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I, he, he wore out his welcome pretty quickly. And when things started to go south, if, if you don't get the benefit of the doubt by being somebody people enjoy being around or like watching or anything like that, you're more often than not going to be uh, shown the door. And that's what happened. So in steps Billy Napier. Napier went 33-5 and five over his last three seasons at Louisiana, kind of the one of the darlings of the G5. He now takes over an SEC program. The other big coaching move in the league happened at LSU. Just two years removed from a national championship, Ed Orgeron is out, and Brian Kelly moved his family down <laughs> to Baton Rouge from South Bend, and he is going to try and right the Tigers' ship. The Tigers 11-12 and 12 since winning that national championship. And nobody better than noted Southerner Brian Kelly to try to get the job done. <laughs> Coming home. Mama's cooking. Ready to, to make it his own. Unbelievable. I don't, I'm probably going to butcher. Did you ever? I think his name's like Joey Molinaro, perhaps. The, yeah, yeah. The does like, yeah, he does a lot of impressions. His Nick Saban is Brian Kelly, Nick Saban initial conversation impression was A plus. Yeah, yeah. He's great. A plus. All right. And then uh, on to our last couple of things here. So, some offseason drama in the conference. I guess we'll start first with Auburn, which was maybe not the most juicy thing to happen in the state, but I don't know, one, two with the with with something else. But um Auburn essentially tried to oust Brian Harson as head coach after one year. Not 
really going to go into all the details because there's a lot of weird stuff that was happening and hard to confirm things. But basically, it seems like a bunch of boosters decided they were done with Brian Harson after one year and wanted him out. Uh, he was in Mexico on vacation while a lot of this was happening, but he survives the coup, comes back, will coach Auburn again this year. And really, nobody seems to be giving them much of a chance to do anything um, after that whole fiasco. And then the other controversial thing to happen in the state was the Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban feud. The sniping started when Saban said that, quote, A&M bought every player on their team, end quote. Uh, he was referring to A&M's top-ranked 2022 recruiting class. Fisher then decided to call a news conference where he called out his former boss, he called him a narcissist, and strongly insinuated Saban has done some unsavory things as a head coach in the past. He instructed the media to, quote, go dig into his past or anyone who's ever coached with him, end quote. The teams meet on October 8th, and it should be a treat. That is last time in the SEC. Let's start looking ahead to the 2022 season. So, Brian, as we like to do, let's start with the top. First down, can anybody outside of UGA and Alabama win this conference? All right, hear me out on this. No. I think at some point someone will break through and it won't be the, uh, the you know, expectation or almost assumption of Georgia Bama in the SEC championship game. It isn't right now. And I mean, the, the thing is, like, I'm trying to figure out who that would be. I think people want it to be M to A&M, right? They could get there in the next few years. They have this 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 great class that's finally on the field. Um this year they go to Brian Denny. They beat Alabama last year. I don't see it happening after, you know, all this kind of sniping, as you called it. Um, I don't – I think that we are in for a bit of a ho-hum at the top of the SEC. I really do. And maybe it's because I I don't have the the gall to go off script and, and make a case for anybody else. I just think these teams really, like you said, two of the top three in the country – Georgia's coming off the title and Bama is expected to be even better. So um, I'm going to say no. Um, but I, I mean, I, I would be interested to hear if, if you have a counterpoint there. Not really. I guess all I would add is, is kind of strengthen your point. I feel like there's, you know, there's only a certain amount of teams in the SEC that I think can ever really compete for that conference title. And if you look at the grand landscape of the league, two of those teams who have and should consistently compete are two teams we already talked about today who underwent coaching changes, LSU and Florida. Um, and I think it's really tough to project either of those teams to compete right now, but they're two of the teams who should be able to compete at that level. Auburn perhaps is one of the other ones. And I personally think they're going to be a little bit better than what they're being given credit for right now. I think the the narrative around it is maybe a bit much. People are getting swept up in the narrative and are not, I don't know, there's still talent there. I said it, I think last week or whatever, we, yeah, last week when we did the Big Ten, it's still college football and Penn State still has to go to Auburn. It seems like nobody's giving Auburn a chance to win that game. Um, but I just think with the, the kind of the change in the league with who is undergoing the change, it's tough to really see a competitor. I know we're going to talk a little bit about A&M later. They're building something. Jimbo Fisher's building something big, but I still have a lot of questions about their quarterback situation. So I don't know. I don't think that there's much. I, I can't 
make a compelling case for anybody else. So if we really think those are the top two teams in the league, let's talk about their um, win totals for a second. Both over 10.5, UGA minus 250 on the over 2.5. Bama minus 280, so you really got to lay some juice if you want to go over. However, there's some other angles out there. If you look at the alternate lines, I found these on DraftKings, uh, Georgia's over 11.5 alternate line is plus 150, and for Alabama, over 11.5 is plus 120. Do you like either of those? Funny you say that. Before I even saw you add this in, I when we do our best bets, all these previews, I like the 120 at Alabama winning 12 games. I really do. I, I, you know, you look down their schedule and it's just like they should really be a dominant Alabama team this year, a, a, like truly dominant Alabama team. And I know that doesn't always equal undefeated, even if they often make the playoffs, they're not always undefeated. But I think like to me to get plus odds on on Alabama doing what I fully expect Alabama to do. I do really like that. I also, you know, the, there's some odds with like playoffs too. So I, I wonder where you come down on those because you can get a pretty good, like Georgia, for example, minus 110 to make the playoffs where you don't necessarily have to pick. They're going to win every game that they play, but they they could, you know, obviously still very much be in the play for the playoffs. Do you like that line? Uh, so it's interesting when you look at that, make the playoff one, Alabama's minus two fifty, which is hilarious to me. Um, so I would, I would not, I'm not on that one. If you want to bet that you might as well just bet them to go undefeated, I think on the over 11 and a half, but I think Georgia minus minus one ten is definitely a lot better. Like if you're considering over 10 and a half, I think the decision has to be between the uh, over 11 and a half at plus one fifty or minus one ten to make the playoffs because, but I don't know. It's like you gotta you gotta game it out a little bit. So if they go undefeated in the regular season and they lose to Alabama, they're definitely still gonna make the playoff. But if they yep. don't go undefeated in the regular season and then they they drop one, they'd have to beat Alabama to make the playoff. So you probably can get better odds just betting the money line versus Alabama. Like they're gonna be higher than they're going to be higher than minus 110. The money line against Alabama in an SEC championship game is probably going to be better than 110. So I don't know where. I think if I was going to bet that one, honestly, I'd bet them to go. I'd bet that. I just bet them to go undefeated. I do the over 11 and a half over the minus 110 just because I feel like you're playing with a little bit of fire there. I mean, either way, you're playing with fire, but I think you got the bet. I mean, you get the plus 150 instead of minus 110. And I honestly don't know, like I, we don't need to read their whole schedule, but what's their, what's their toughest game? Yeah. I mean, so they open with Oregon and Atlanta. Like I, like I, I think they'll, I kind of think they'll mash in that game. Uh, yeah. Uh, Florida, Tennessee's at home. Yeah. I, it might be at Mississippi state in yeah. November. Yeah. That's, that's that doesn't intimidate me. I mean, their road games. Their road games are South Carolina, Missouri. They have the cocktail party in Jacksonville, Mississippi State, and Kentucky. So, Mississippi State or Kentucky. Yeah. I, if those are your two toughest games, I mean, nothing against those teams. Those are going to be those are good teams. But uh, if that's it, I mean, I think I'd rather go. I think I'd rather go. 
over on the 11 and a half than the minus 110 to make the playoffs just because of the odds. Um, however, I don't, I actually don't think they're going to go undefeated. <laughs> I think they're going <laughs> to drop. I think they're, they're more likely to drop a game this year than last year. Uh, then they, I mean, cause obviously they went undefeated in the regular season last year, but I think they're a little more likely to drop a game. They just lost so much. I mean, they lost so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I know they're bringing, they still have a ton of talent there, but I do think like mentally something does change a little bit. You know, Pat Riley, what did he call it? Like the disease, the disease of winning. The, the, I can't remember exactly what he he calls it, but Pat Riley would always talk about how hard it is to come back and win a championship after you've won a championship. And I just wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a hangover there. Like there's still so much talent, but I could see them dropping one random game at some point during the year because it is college football. So like, I guess the bottom line at the end of the day is I'm not going to bet anything involving Georgia from a future perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the safe way to do it. I do. Do you agree with me that like, like I do sort of expect Georgia to to come out firing on all cylinders against Oregon in that opener. It it feels a little bit like those Bama openers in Atlanta that where they just smashed whatever poor ACC team got thrown their way or whatever. Like that's kind of how I'm viewing this game going in. I I have no doubt about that game. I don't think that won't be even close. Yeah, it'll be yeah. exactly like Alabama, Miami, whatever. Have did Alabama do it to USC? Yeah, once. they did it to Duke yeah. once. Remember oh, it was Duke. Yeah. They oh, laid was, it on them. Yeah, that was real bad. Um, all right, second down. So we we got into this a little bit, um, but I, I'm going to jump ahead to the second question I've written down because I think it's a better segue. Uh, Texas A&M. So they have this class that was number one, five stars all over the place, like six of them on the D-line or something like that, playmakers, pass catchers. They've. It feels like, you know, We've been trying to make Texas A&M happen for a few years, right? Jimbo got hired and got all this money and he's going to make it happen. And it, and it largely hasn't, I know they were like a fringe playoff team with Kellen Mond um, and they went on a roll to end the year, but, but it, it largely hasn't happened. Are you buying them being actually competitive to win the conference in the next call it three or five years? Yeah, not this year. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen this year because I think they have too many. We don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. They have three options. Maybe it'll be, I mean, is Haynes King the leader right now? He won the job over Zach Calzada last year before he got hurt. So they have some options, but we don't know who it is. And quite frankly, they've never gotten, has Jimbo Fisher had a really good quarterback since Jameis Winston? No. So, I mean, I think that's, I think you gotta you gotta prove it, and like I do, I want to go back to Georgia for a second because, like, I, one of our first episodes, I said something along the lines of, um, basically, Georgia proved last year that you don't need to have an elite quarterback if you're if you're good enough um, everywhere else to win a, a national championship, and I think that's a little bit unfair to Stetson Bennett. Like, I don't think he's a world, I don't think he's a world beater. Um, he's certainly not going to be like an NFL quarterback. I don't think right. anybody debates, debates no, that. No. Um, but he, like he did do what he needed to do. He made some really big throws. He made a big throw in the national championship game. Um, but I think he benefited a ton from, from that defense and the positions that they were able to put him in. 
Um, so I guess the question really becomes like Texas A&M has to do one of two things. They're now recruiting at the level, especially on the defensive line where like they can build a Georgia type of defense. So it's, they either have to continue to do that so much so that they can have a Stetson Bennett, um, which is, I'm not trying to use it as a pejorative, but like a Stetson Bennett, not, not a first round quarterback. Let's put it that way. Not a first round draft pick at quarterback there and, and win, or they need to get themselves a Heisman Trophy contender or at quarterback, a first round draft pick type of quarterback. I think they're going to do one or the other, but I just don't think it's this year. I think the momentum is too strong. Uh, One thing that does drive me absolutely up a wall and let's, this will go back to the Jimbo uh, Saban feud for a second. It's like why all Texas A&M ever wants to talk about and their fan base is how much money they have, right? Like they, put so much into football, but they're like embarrassed of the fact that they're able to provide players with NIL deals. Like, can you just, wh- why are you embarrassed? It's not against the rules. You can provide a great NIL package. You're using it to your advantage. Like just be proud of it. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. They're like on the forefront of this new thing. And so they, they, I don't know, I guess maybe there's some hesitation there to, to, to really, really lean into it. But right, it's like what Saban was saying. Like he's like, yeah, they bought every player on their team. It's like, okay, <laughs> they they acquired all this talent. What they they there's a new avenue to get good players on your team, and they did it. They leveraged it as well as any other program in the country. There's nothing wrong with that. I I, I totally agree with you. But I mean, so where do you stand, Brian? Do you think that they if are they going to break through? So I, I share the concerns about the quarterback. Like I, I think obviously Zach Calzada wasn't it and Max Johnson transferred in, I think from LSU and, and it, it felt like that was sort of being spun as like, uh, maybe we got our guy and like, I, I wasn't blown away by what I saw when he played for the Tigers. Um, I, I I'm with you. Like if, you know, he needs to continue to recruit, right? Like it's, the class they put together was absolutely insane. But Alabama and Georgia have made a habit of doing this year after year after year after year. And so I think it's a great start. I think it's a great start. And and it's clear he's getting people to want to play there or paying them all enough to want to play there or whatever combo of those things is happening. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of want to see, like, what do you do for an encore um, because the, the other big boys are doing it all the time, every year. But I think you, I think it, it's totally fair the way you look at it. And they haven't had that guy under center. I do think they have a five star uh, coming in, and so, and King was, I, I think, was pretty heavily recruited, uh, four star. So, so I, I mean, yeah, one of them's got to pan out, and I think they could be there, I, like. I tend to be a believe it before I, you know, see it before I believe it kind of guy. And like, they have to get past Alabama for this to happen. Like they, they have to win the West, right? They have to win the West to win the SEC. And like, I, when's that going to, you know, I, I almost want it, to, it's almost like it feels not entirely in A&M's control, like, which is so wild to say. It's just like, it's a juggernaut, you know, you're going up against a buzzsaw. What, what you know, he's not going to stop trying, but Saban's team's going to be better to me for the foreseeable future. I will say it's it's fun 
the idea of somebody regularly challenging Bama in the West is fun. It, it's it's a little like it's. I think it's a both these things can be true kind of thing. It's really cool to watch how dominant Alabama has become and like the level at which we just expect them to be in the playoff every year. And now that's like okay, it's a little stale as a fan. Like let's let's see what we can do to mix it up. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, here we go. Third down for you, Brian. Let's jump back to the East for a second. Uh, Is Kentucky really the second best team in the East again? They finished second last year, and I believe they are the only other SEC East team ranked in the top 25. I think I have that right. They're number 21. Tennessee is not ranked, um, and I don't believe Florida is ranked either. So are they the second best team? Is it, well, okay, is the question, are they the second best team or are they going to finish second again? Uh, is it is it different for you? Well, I think it could be. I, like, I think they'll finish second in the East. I, I do. So I'll, I'll say yes, and then I'll sort of explain. Like, I, I'm right there with Tennessee. I, I Like, I want to say I think Tennessee is there, but that, it, it goes back to my sort of uh, see it, believe, believe it sort of thing. I do think, um, I don't think there's an update on this, but if Brew McCoy is cleared to play, like the offense is already going to be very good, but that guy's mega talented. I mean, it, like three different programs have been trying to get him to be productive for them since since he graduated high school. Um, but if he's cleared to play, the offense, which already is good, could get better. Um, but he's not there yet. I think here's the, what it boils down to, to for me is, is scheduling, really. Like Tennessee has... Alabama and at Georgia, Kentucky avoids the tide. I think in general, Kentucky has a more favorable schedule. Um, they uh, crossover game wise, they avoid Arkansas, they avoid A and M, they avoid Alabama. It's, that's pretty good, right? They they do have to go to the swamp in week two, um, but home games against South Carolina, Mississippi State lead into the October twenty second bye. They face Tennessee right after that. So. Um, uh, yeah, I, I and I also am well aware I'm the, the person who made an argument for Emory Jones as a potentially impact transfer on this very podcast and used that to take a jab, if you will, at all the hype surrounding Will Levis. But I think circumstantially, Kentucky is in a good spot to run it back um, and finish uh, second in the, in the standings in the East. So I it's yes, if, if you know, I, I want to pick Tennessee. Um, but I, you know, I'm not quite there yet. So I'll say yes. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, I, we just said, I think we're both kind of like prove it kind of people and Kentucky's proven it quite frankly. I mean, they've, they've done nothing but prove it over the past couple years and Tennessee still got to. And if Kentucky, I mean, they've proven it to a lot of people, but, um, maybe not their own basketball coach. What's the, what, what happened there with that spat this week? So I guess John Calipari and the basketball program are looking for to get, uh, is it an, a new practice facility built? And basically Calipari made the comment that uh, Kentucky is a basketball school. Georgia and Alabama are football schools, but Kentucky is a basketball school. And we basically need to do the things that we need to do to support the basketball program. So Brandon, when I thought about this podcast like this is the ultimate topic for this podcast (laughs) my whole thing was always like 
we there needs to be more out there where we're talking about college football and college basketball because the two go together. And if you're a fan of one, you're typically a fan of the other. And this is the ultimate crossover topic right here. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, and then I guess uh, Kentucky football coach Mark Stoops shot back on Twitter, which is always the wrong place to <laughs> to do it, but basically shot back um, with something along the lines of like, I thought we play in the SEC and you know, uh, so a little, a little intra Kentucky spat there. Uh, my perspective on this is coach Cal is right. It is a basketball school. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Like, but here's like the bottom line, I guess. Probably just handling it in house would have been the best way to do it and not saying anything at all. But like, uh, I mean, it's it's John Calipari. He he likes to talk, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying the basketball. It's a basketball school. I don't think that takes away from the football program at all. But you know what? You also don't get extensions uh, for winning seven games a year at a football school. So I don't think Calipari's wrong. No, no, I, I'm totally with you. And it has sort of felt in his apologies that he's like saying it through his teeth a little bit and maybe I'm trying to read into that too much because I also agree that I don't think he's wrong but he's like you know I shouldn't have said it that way but like give me a freaking break sort of vibes right like um and to be fair I don't think like what do you want Mark Stoops to do oh, not tweet sure but I think like he's the football coach of course he should defend his program but you're right like handling it in house Having a quick meeting, uh, I think but is the way to do it. Doesn't it just draw more attention to it once he starts tweeting about it? Like, it, right. th- then you got the um, Arkansas AD tweeting out pictures of of uh, his two coaches and him together, like one big happy family, woo pig suey, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's like it just draws more attention to it. So, like, okay, like, are we gonna, are we gonna, are we really there as? Like we can't even acknowledge Kentucky is is a basketball school. It's freaking Kentucky. It's a basketball school. Like there is maybe no m- more basketball school. It's like the baseball coach at Alabama getting upset because like <laughs> Nick Saban says it's a football school. Like it is. Yeah, and he w- he probably wouldn't tweet at Nick Saban if that happened. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I I'm totally in agreement with you, and and it, it's just a a funny weird kind of back and forth and i think i mean i don't know the absolute latest on it but like i think stoops is like still mad he's like i haven't talked to him about it and like calipari now every time he does an interview has been like we're gonna handle it and i apologize i shouldn't have said that or whatever but stoops was like yeah i haven't talked to him i don't know i think more than anything i would imagine like my reading of this because coaches like coach cal and saban does this all the time too these top top coaches like when they speak to the media they are speaking to either their players or their donors or somebody else. They are not just saying things to say things. And like, I had to imagine if, if Cal wants something facilities upgraded, he is speaking to his donor base and saying like, we need to get this done. And I don't really actually think it's that much different. Like when Saban made his comments about Jimbo, it was was because he was like, Hey, we need to do better in the NIL space because we were number two in recruiting. And that's not acceptable here because it's Alabama. And I feel like for Cal, it's like, we need to have these facilities because we are Kentucky basketball. And Kentucky basketball is what runs this athletic department, which again, it does. I guess it's like, it does feel sometimes like there is a weird tension 
at some places between football or basketball, uh, between football and basketball. And it's like, we could go down a big road right now about like just how much football has, or football has overshadowed basketball and kind of devalued it. And Kentucky is one place where it's never going to be devalued. Um, so I don't know. I think like, let's just grow up and acknowledge Kentucky basketball is king. And no matter what you do at Kentucky, from a football perspective, like it's, it's always going to be second fiddle and that's okay. And that's okay. He's really benefited from that too. Like you said, so there you go. And when in doubt, delete the tweet. That's my motto. There you go. All right. Staying in the East for fourth down, um, interested this year and long-term and we, we, we talked about it. These questions kind of go together, which, which program you think has a better trajectory, Tennessee or Florida, and uh, a lot of change in the last couple of years at both these places. Interested to get your take on sort of which program you're buying, if you will, uh, coming up here. It's tough because we haven't seen anything from Florida yet. And in this Billy Napier regime, they haven't recruited quite the way they would like so far. And we haven't seen any on-field results. And he has, he has, been very adamant like it's gonna be a slow build however I just think Florida I think Florida as a program in general is just better positioned than Tennessee to compete in in the long term um you know it's the state of Florida isn't like it once was where everybody stays home it's super over recruited and you know that the competition in the state has has increased recently too with um you know, with uh, with Mario Cristobal now at Miami, um, maybe well, I mean we'll see about Florida State, but either way, Cristobal at Miami is a huge challenger from a recruiting perspective to Florida and, and what they can do in the state. But it's not uncommon at all now for Georgia to go in the state, Alabama to go in the state. But even so, all those same schools are going up into Tennessee's recruiting area where there's less talent than there is in Florida. So I think just from that perspective, um you know, it's, it's, it's to Florida's advantage. I also think from Florida for, from a pro Florida perspective, like at least Florida has been relevant in the lifetime of, of these recruits. I mean, we are going on now. It is getting close to what, 20 years since Tennessee was truly, truly relevant in the national conversation. I mean, to most people, who are under the age of 30, certainly Tennessee's kind of been a joke. Tennessee is known for their crazy coach searches and the wild things that their fans do. And like, I, I, I went to, I've been to Knoxville and I was really impressed just by how much passion still surrounds that program. And you could see it. It was clear last year, even like just getting a little bit last year had them so fired up, but I think it's, I think ultimately I'm going to choose Florida until proven otherwise until Tennessee proves it. Because even as Florida has cycled through these coaches, they're all going to sec championship games still. Right. Right. I mean, Tennessee, I don't have it in front of me, but it's been a long time since Tennessee was in an sec championship game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. I I agree with you. And, and, I'm excited to see Billy Napier make the jump. I mean, this is somebody that a lot of programs wanted and tried to get in the years prior. And so this is where he decided to go because he thinks he can win. And and um, I, I like the fit. I think it's going to work out long term. So I'm with you on Florida. 
Billy Napier, by the way, one of the like original um, enrollees in the Nick Saban school for wayward boys, wayward coaches. <laughs> yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> he, I mean, he was fired. I feel like a lot of people don't know or might not remember, but Dabo fired him as the OC early, early in his tenure. And then he went to Alabama and kind of rehabbed the image and then, um, you know, kind of slowly worked his way up again through the ranks until he got to Louisiana and frankly crushed it. Um, but he does have those sec. He has those sec kind of credentials now having spent that time at Alabama. And then, you know, Clemson's kind of like sec light credentials in a way as well but it wasn't a direct path for him he's not one of these guys like I feel like Tom Herman was just a rocket ship straight up until he ultimately failed and uh but I feel like Napier he's had a little bit more of an up and down road he's he's still pretty young um but he, he has had a little more challenge and maybe that serves him well in the long run yeah yeah I like that a lot you ready to buy and sell yeah let's let's buy and sell some stuff cool I'm gonna start and uh, I don't know. You want to start positive or negative? Yeah, we'll go. We'll go positive today. Yeah, positive, positive. Shoe off those Sunday scaries as we record. All right. So I'm probably a year late on this. If we're if we're actually talking about trying to buy stock uh, before it goes up, but I'm buying it now because I think it's going to continue the trajectory it's been on. So I'm buying KJ Jefferson stock, uh, Arkansas's quarterback. He burst on the scene last year. Um, I think it's more of the the same this year, and he's. Totally electric. I threw for more than 2,600 yards, 21 touchdowns to just four interceptions, 600 plus rush yards, six touchdowns. I I like Arkansas. I think like Sam Pittman, it it works weirdly, right? There was like some real positive vibes around that program um, the last year or two. And so uh, do I think that they're a challenger for Alabama? No, we've spent the first 40 minutes here talking about, I don't think Bama has a challenger, particularly in the West. but I'm buying stock in KJ Jefferson just because he is so much fun to watch. He's a big dude. He moves around out there real well, and I think Arkansas's pesky, and they're gonna be they're gonna be good this year. So I'm buying KJ Jefferson. I mean, it's hard not to just like the guy mm-hmm. as a he's fun to watch. Um, yeah, you're probably probably a little <laughs> year late on like if you're yeah. like really trying to get in on the ground floor. Yeah, yeah. Of somebody, have you heard of uh, but... Apple? I'm buying some stock. <laughs> Uh, later this week, so we'll see how it goes. But no, he's fun. That whole program, I mean, I the Sam Pittman story, I think, is a, just a great story, too. Offensive line coach. Offensive line coaches don't typically get looked at for head coaching roles, and he's he's come in, and he's really made it work, and he seems to just he seems to love being there, and uh, I think it's a pretty, uh, yeah, I think Jefferson and Pittman is a, is a fun coach-quarterback combo. Yeah, no doubt. All right, I am buying somebody who I have been watching for a long time, uh, Eric Gilbert, and everybody says Eric, and I said Eric because everybody says it, and he says he's okay with that. But you can find on the internet, it's Eric. It's Eric Gilbert is how you say his name. But he says everybody calls him Eric, so he just kind of goes with Eric. Um, Fascinating. Eric Gilbert, Eric Gilbert is a tight end at Georgia. He is one of the highest rated recruits in the history of the sport. He is the highest rated tight end recruit in the history of the sport. Um, He was in the class of 2020 and initially committed to LSU from played at Marietta high school, watched him play there at Marietta high school in one of the best high school football teams I've ever seen. And I mean, he is just one of the most talented 
physically dominant athletes I've ever seen. And he hasn't played a ton. He, he was out all last year at Georgia. He did get some reps at LSU his freshman year and was fairly productive. But now he's at Georgia. And I think the combination of him and Brock Bowers is going to be absolutely dynamic. And, you know, I think everybody knows about Bowers, but the reviews of Gilbert have already been, he's already gotten rave reviews from Georgia camp so far this season. So if you're playing college daily fantasy, Brock Bowers is going to be really high price guy, but Gilbert might not be quite as high. And that could be a guy who just explodes for like, a 200 yard game one week. So I, I think this is the year he can finally, he'll, he will put it all together and be just as dominant in the sec as he was in high school. Uh, super excited to watch him this year. Yeah. That tight end room Bowers, you mentioned and, and Gilbert Darnell Washington too. Like there's three of the best tight ends you're going to see They They can run some really cool stuff on offense. So I, I love that one. Um, I'm going to keep it light on my selling. Um, I am selling the Shane Beamer Soldier Boy video that everybody uh, went nuts for on the internet. Let me tell you, I when I first saw it, like that's the type of stuff that usually does and should be universally absolutely made fun of. And I was stunned that the internet reaction to that video was seemingly generally positive like i feel like everywhere i saw it on twitter was like this is so funny like i've watched this a thousand times it keeps getting better i i was i i hated it i hated it so much and uh you go look it up on twitter or youtube if you if you don't know what i'm talking about shane beamer soldier boy he uh shot a video to the turn my swag on by soldier boy and has players around him jumping around and Listen, I applaud the effort. Um, I might have kept that one in the drafts. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm selling Shane Beamer uh, and channeling his inner Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy also seemed quite excited because nobody's talked about him since 2007. <laughs> that's right. Soldier Boy was begging for him to post that video, <laughs> and uh, that's right. Uh, but I I don't know. It's like I said, like everybody's got to do something to try to stand out. And like Shane Beamer's trying to get South Carolina back on the map. And I, and I get it. That's not, that's not how you're going to do it. Legit question. Like do if you, okay. So if you're a freshman in college right now, if you're a freshman at South Carolina right now, you were born in like 2004. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Come on, man. So, <laughs> like, do you even know about that song? You probably don't know. Like, can uh, we just, that's my biggest complaint. Can we just get a little more current? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, that's a fun, I didn't even think about that part of it. I mean, like, I, I like it, but I'm old. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I think about too, like, is like, if South Carolina and Alabama are competing for a recruit, I just picture Nick Saban with a championship ring on like this with his hands out and just plays that video. Like, He's Shane Beamer is doing the recruiting for Nick Saban. It's like, uh, you know, some some folks will like that. Nick Saban's like, you want to win, come here. But anyway, I, I just I uh, it was a little a little try hard for my tastes. Okay, I'm gonna keep it light then too, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little pivot here. Okay, let's do um, it. Okay, I'm selling Will Levis eating weird things. Enough with the whole bananas. The with the 
skin and all. Enough with the mayonnaise in his coffee. It's disgusting. I'm I'm done with it. You, you do not do you not know I about missed this? mayonnaise and coffee. Mayonnaise Sorry, and co- what oh, did you say? Yes. He puts he supposedly this was happening during last season. He legitimately likes just puts mayonnaise in his coffee. I I'm I, I mayo hey. mayo in his coffee, dude. I, wh- how how do you discover that you like that? That's like I yeah okay. I'm out selling everything I said about Kentucky. Let's re-record the section. There's I the guy is 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 off his rocker. No, and it, it's enough. It's like and let's not let's not celebrate this. I get everybody has their own taste, but this does, this doesn't need to be celebrated. I don't need to celebrate. Like there, it does. It raises so many questions. How do you decide you like that? Like who yeah. introduced you to that? Uh, why did you keep doing it? There's so many things you can put in a coffee. Why mayo? Yeah, so many options. So many. Uh, is he trying to go non-dairy? Like there's lots of that types of standard options these days. I I I love this cell. I'm so, I'm so in agreement with you. Yeah. Well. That's, I mean, I said it was light, but I'm, I'm maybe more worked up about that than anything that I've ever been worked up Man about. Mayonnaise and show. coffee. Yeah. Like the, the, the banana stuff and that picked up last year and that was a little weird too. Mayonnaise and coffee is like, let's keep our eye on Will, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something's up. Keep, keep your eyes peeled. Okay. So clearly neither of us are going to be betting on Kentucky, no. uh, but we are going to bet on a few teams and I'll kick us off, Brian. I have an under that I really like, and it's under uh, a half conference win for Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt to go winless in the SEC for a second straight year, plus 140 on DraftKings. I really like this a lot. I think you just got to you gotta bet that the talent in the SEC is still too much for Vanderbilt to overcome. They really only had one one close game in conference last year, and that was against South Carolina. South Carolina is much improved this year, um, I, and I, I just think that this team is not there from a talent level yet, and their schedule is really hard. Here's their SEC schedule. At Alabama, Mississ- uh, Ole Miss at home, uh, Georgia on the road. They have Georgia and Alabama on the road. In the at three Missouri, games, man. <laughs> they have South Carolina at home, Kentucky at home. Um, I'm sorry, South Carolina at home, Kentucky on the road, uh, Florida at home, Tennessee at home. Like I just, I do not see a win there. They're going to be double-digit dogs in every game they play. They don't have a lot of talent. It's going to take time for them to improve. And I much prefer this to whatever. I think it's maybe two and a half. The 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 season line is two and a half or so. Um, I, I like this conference play. Under a half game, a half win in conference, plus 140 on DraftKings. I like it. I like it. My best bet, uh, and and... The more I looked at this, the more I, I got on board with it, especially getting some plus odds. And you'll have to hear me out on it because it, it, it might seem a little weird. I'm going under seven and a half wins on the season for Ole Miss. So they, and that's at plus 120. They lose, obviously, Matt Corral. They lost their top three running backs. They lost their top three wide receivers. It has been well documented that Lane Kiffin hit the transfer portal very, very hard. Um, 
but that's a lot of new blood trying to work together into the roster quickly to keep up sort of the momentum that they had last year. Like, so uh, presumably Jackson Dart wins the starting quarterback job. Are we, it's kind of like a, are we sure he's really, really good type of moment? Zach Evans, five-star stud running back. Sure. Transferring in uh, after some time at TCU. They also lost Jeff Levy to Oklahoma as offensive coordinator, right? So there's like zero, zero continuity on that team. I did want to look at the schedule, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to keep it to seven wins and they start with Troy central Arkansas at Georgia tech and Tulsa. So, Look, I may look up at them then, 4-0, average margin of victory like 40 and question it, but their last five are at LSU, maybe a down year for them, but that's still never easy, at A&M, Bama at home, at Arkansas, at Mississippi State. So I think it's going to be difficult to find three wins in there at the end of the season. So if, if I can keep them to five and two through seven, I feel good about keeping it under eight on the year. So I like uh, getting plus odds on Ole Miss under seven and a half. I just think the whole West, it's, it's, I have a hard time with SEC West right now outside of Alabama. It seems like it's Alabama and then a bunch of teams that are potentially going like somewhere between five and three and three and five in conference. So, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. And it, it a little bit aligns with my other bet, which is going to be Texas A&M under eight and a half wins plus 140. So if you look at uh, Jimbo's time at A&M, uh, I'm going to exclude the 2020 season, which you might be saying like, well, why are you excluding that? That was his one good season. But I acknowledge that they went, they were nine and one. Um, they were nine and one overall. I think it was an eight and one in the regular season. And then they won the the orange bowl. But if you, you just look at his actual 12 game seasons last year, eight and four, 2019, seven and five, 2018, eight and four. So in a 12 game schedule, they've never won more than eight games. Um, but we talked at length about the quarterback situation and how there's a lot of question marks there and they have a lot of talent, but that talent there's, there's talent all over the sec West. Like the sec West is not a league that you just, you just walk through. They lost. I, I like Mississippi state a lot. Mississippi state's a team we haven't even talked about at all this whole segment or this whole episode, but I like them. They're, um, as a leech, typically this is around the time that a Mike Leach team starts to get a little bit better to kind of start to hit their stride. I think uh, their quarterback Rogers might be maybe in the top three quarterbacks in the, in the league. So I, I think they have that going for them, which is really nice. Their defense has been, it's, it's the best defense that Mike Leach has ever had at any of his stops. So um, I like Mississippi state. You talked about Arkansas. They, they always play that game at, at Jerry world every year. So, and they lost it last year. They can lose that game. There's plenty of losses available. Look, they lost to LSU last year. They lost to LSU to end the season last year. That team was toast. They were done. Um, so I don't know at plus plus one forty, like that. I think that's pretty good odds for a team that hasn't, really done this yet so it's a little bit of a bet but hey that's what we're here to bet plus 140 under eight and a half i like it i like it a lot i think that's well thought out and it and i'll i'll bring it home with this and i had this down before we talked about it off the top but i, I like bama alt wins over 11 and a half getting plus odds I, i'm taking it i think that they're they're going to run away. This is going to be one of those dominant years for Alabama where there's not going to be a ton of, uh, you know, doubt who's who's going to win the SEC West pretty early on. So 
I've got them uh, going undefeated in the regular season. Uh, I like getting plus odds on anything Alabama. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take that one as well. Is there is there anything, like if there's one question to answer for Alabama, what is it? What's the question mark that Alabama has, if anything? Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm scrolling around and i'm struggling to come up with one i mean the, how does in the national championship Gibbs game last in, year right? the new starting running back in the or? national championship game last year we did see some issues at receiver with their with their receiver depth but i mean i don't i think that's going to be solved you would think so yeah all they did was go and poach jermaine burton right from the team that beat him uh and, and obviously you're always recruiting you're right i think that's fair i think that's fair i i just there is something as well to like, when have we ever seen Saban not plug a hole that he found sort of thing? It's it's another one of those just sort of like, he's earned the right for me to be like, he's going to he's gonna get it right <laughs> this time around. They've got so, so, so much talent. Um, so I, I like it. Yeah, and we have to, I mean, I can't, I don't think we can go a whole episode talking about the SEC without mention, mentioning Will Anderson on that Alabama defense. Yeah. Like, he is, he is the best, he, he is the best player, just football player in the country. He was the best football player in the country probably last year. And, uh, I mean, he's not going to win the Heisman because defensive players just don't win the Heisman, but uh, that defense is going to be, is going to be something. And, you know, like, Last year, Saban was so he seemed so genuinely happy just to do what they did and like winning the conference and getting to a national title game was such a big accomplishment that I feel like he knew what he had and he knew what he had this year. And now I feel like that mindset is going to completely flip and it's going to be he's going to be finding like he likes to call it the rat poison, right? To feed to his team and keep them motivated because I mean, I just I do not know how you can pick against them to win the national championship this year. And like, I'm going to find any way like it's unfortunately, there's not a lot of good ways. I don't think to bet on them preseason, but I think that the undefeated season is not, is not a bad way to do it. Getting some plus odds there, but I'm just, I mean, I'm going to try to find every way week to week to possibly bet on this team because they are the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's seven starters back on defense, including the best player in the country. And oh, by the way, the Heisman Trophy winner on offense who's slinging it all over the place. It's like what it's 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 a great college football roster. What do you what do you want? You know, not bad. Not bad (laughs) at all. All right. Well, that's our show. We are done with the power five brian we've we've done all of our power five conferences um we got a couple weeks left until football we're gonna be doing some g5 previews talking about notre dame a bit and uh might have some other fun stuff planned before we before toe actually meets leather here in a couple weeks uh but we will talk to you all next week and until next time keep the grill hot and the cooler cold <laughs>